the recording started. And uh, if you would grab your Bibles, we're going to be, we're going to use our Bibles a lot. And uh, so be ready to turn. It's, it's typically at Christmas time, we are going to go there. What we call the Christmas story or the traditional idea. This is the Sunday before Christmas. And uh, we're going to look, but, but we're going to back up a little bit in the Bible. And uh, I want to go through a bit of a journey through Scripture this morning. And uh, we're going to see a couple of things about Christ. We're going to see some prophecy about Christ, but we're also going to see what is the purpose. Sometimes when it comes to this time of year and people get focused on all the things about family and the gifts and, and all the good things that we enjoy about Christmas, and uh, it, it, the attention sometimes gets a little, maybe un, I think unintentionally, but sometimes our attention gets, we talk about the birth of Christ, which that's what we're celebrating, but we don't get past that. And uh, sometimes we need to take a look and understand why is it that Jesus came? What, what, is, the, what is the purpose? Well, why did go through it? Of course, we don't have time this morning to go through every little detail about Christ through the entire Bible because that's, that's what the whole Bible is about. But, the, uh, but the, the, the main thing, when we go back, we may mention, I'm not going to spend time studying it, but all the things in the Old Testament that sometimes we look at, like how the temple was built and what the sacrifices were for, and, and people brought their sacrifice, and they'd kill the animal and shed the blood of that animal to, to give, a, give an offering for their sins. And, and if we're not careful, we, met, we mess the point. That was not about their sin in the sense of uh, forgiveness of sins. That was, that was a picture that one day Christ, the Son of God, was going to come and be that final sacrifice. It all points to Christ all the way through the Bible. But, but we're going to give some thoughts just about the birth of Christ. What is it for and what happened? So I'm going to go a little bit fast today just to try to um, watch the time, and uh, I don't want to be too fast. I want you to see the scripture as best you can, but if uh, if you can't or we don't see something or find something, of course I am going to read the scripture, but if, um, if uh, you'll turn to Titus chapter 1, and uh, we'll start there. Kind of a, uh, like I said, we're, we're going to take a, a journey and to see kind of a thought process, if you will, on Jesus coming as a man, of course, being born of a virgin. Titus 1-2, I use this verse often when I'm closing in witnessing to somebody and uh, to kind of make sure and help them understand with, with the thought of, hey, what happened? What, what is our future as far as salvation? And as promised, but, but it also can be if we look at, hey, what did Christ do? What was God's plan for the earth? And uh, what, what was God's plan? Why did God create us in the first place? And, uh, of course, there's a lot more to answer in that question, but in sense of that God loves us and what he did. Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And I, and I want you to hold that thought. It's a promise of eternal life. We'll come back to this verse at, at the end of the message. But uh, that, that he promised before 
the world began. God knew what he was going to do, and uh, God knew his plan. Let's go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, fast, since we are recording our church Facebook page, of course, we post the recordings, and uh, you can go back and listen. If, if we got a little ahead or you want to go back and take notes or, or, or look at you can go there and listen to the recording at your own time and, and stop and take notes if the scriptures are helpful in the sense of you wanting to get it. So, uh, but, uh, but as far as this morning, so in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised, before the world began. First of all, God doesn't lie, and he promises before the world even began. Now think about it. That does not mean God dictates all our thoughts and our movements and everything we do and all that. God just knew in order and in his sovereignty and in his and, and who God is. God said, I want to create someone to love, and I want to create someone that can love me, and I want to create someone that can have a relationship with me. In order to do that, God had to give us what we call throughout the Bible, the phrase is not there, but we call free will, or, a, or a, I have the ability to choose things. And uh, so, so God is not dictating my life. God gave me the choice to say, hey, this is, you. God said, you want a relationship with me? Uh, you want me? This is the Bible. This is what I'm giving you to show you how to live so that you can live right, so that you can have joy, so that you can have peace, so that you can have a relationship with God. And God said to live holy and compare yourself as much to me as possible, since we are created in his image in Genesis, that, that we look at this and say that this is how I need to live. But God said, if I force you to do it, there's, there's no love there. There's no, there's no relationship there. So God gave us a choice to be able to choose on how we want to live for them. So part of that is coming to him in salvation, of course, after the sin. We'll talk about that in a minute. First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And apparently I wrote down the wrong verse, so I don't know what I did with that. And... Uh, I have no idea. I wrote the wrong way. Let's go to 2 Peter. There we go. 2 Peter chapter 3. I, have not, I don't know what I was looking at when I wrote that down, but uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and, and many promises, we, we can do a study on that, but as some men count slackness. Says, but, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or, or the idea throughout Scripture, that word repentance, you could say, just means salvation, that we chose God, we believed in God. And, uh, but so, so he's not willing that any should perish, and that all should come to repentance. So God's goal after Adam sinned, of course, that, uh, th that God wants every single person in the world to be saved. Is everyone going to get saved? No. 
because of their choice, that back to that idea of free will, because God can't force it. And we'd be, if we were a created being in the sense of God dictating those things and just making it, but we, we wouldn't have a choice. There would be no joy. There, there would be no understanding in, in our heart to, hey, what is God? We're just kind of like a robot and just doing whatever God makes us do. And, and, and uh, there, there would be no purpose for pretty much anything in the Bible. Um, that's it. The angels are, are somewhat dignified. The angels have some choice. We see that when Lucifer fell and, and, and uh, became Satan. So they have an element of choice, but it's still not the same. They were created for a very specific purpose and, and, and as a being, but we were created different. We were created in God's image. Uh, we were created with our soul. We were created with our conscience. We were cre created with the ability to be able to choose. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, and uh, we'll see that. Genesis chapter 1. Of course, God spoke the world into existence. And uh, created, now after God created the world, in Genesis 1 and verse 27, the last thing he did was in verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And uh, then he gave the command, of course, and as you go down, and, and they had, could have what they planted, in, what God planted in the garden, and they could eat, and, and, and everything. God just gave one thing. It said, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, just don't, don't eat. Don't eat of that one. He, he put one. And uh, as, uh, of course, we know the rest of the story, eventually Adam did, and Adam sinned, and God held him accountable in that place. We'll come back to that thought briefly in a little bit, but we want to see where Adam, God created Adam, but because Adam and Eve, if you go back and read the next chapter, in the next chapter, and uh, we see God, uh, because of God giving them free will, God had to give them something to choose from. It's not that God was tempting Adam. God didn't put that tree in the garden to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to watch you and see, wait and see if you, you mess up and sin and all that. God, God didn't do that. God had a place, and he had a garden. He said, I'm giving you all this. But somewhere in that process, God did have to give man an ability to choose. The other part of that, of course, Satan um, going after Eve and, and, and that whole story. But Adam sinned. I go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, if uh, you go there briefly. And uh, in Romans chapter 3, because of Adam's fall, we'll, we'll see what happened to mankind was that it says all have sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our standard for what we call sin is not our opinion. We have too much opinions in this world. And it's not about us. Throughout the Bible, several times, for several different circumstances, a phrase, something along the line of, they did that which was right in their own eyes. 
It's not my place to decide whether I think something's good, bad, or otherwise, or accept that's what the world is trying to push today. Uh, we don't want to offend anybody. Whatever you think is just up to you, and, and uh, you should just accept people for whatever they are and, and require no change. That's not what God says. Sin is anything that doesn't match up to what God said. Um, we fall short of the glory of God. So if I fall short of God's glory, measured by this book, I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. I might think I'm a good person, but uh, what matters is how God sees me. And, and, and God's the one that looks. Let's go to Romans 5.12. If we go to Romans 5.12, we'll see more insight on that thought. And in... in uh, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. That one man is Adam. That's why I went back to Genesis a bit ago and, and saw where Adam messed up. Adam disobeyed God. Adam is the one that sinned and, and, and took it and put everyone, every one of his children and everyone born after is a sinner. So wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And uh, so we have sin in our life because of Adam sinning. Now, people, guys, hear people ask a question often. Hey, what would have happened if Adam didn't sin? Well, I don't know. He might have sinned the next day. <laughs> uh, it didn't take very long. Cain was the first murderer, his firstborn son. So, what? It, it doesn't matter. I don't know that that would have changed humanity in a sense. Um, it was just that it just so happened that the very first sin were recorded in, in the Bible was Adam, and the Bible is making reference to that. Because of our sin nature, we're separated from God. I'm going to elaborate on that just a little bit more in a while, but, but we're separated from God. That does not mean God doesn't love us, but we're separated from God in eternity in the sense of our bloodline doesn't match up to what God's is when we originally were created in God's image. So that because I'm a sinner, because of Adam's sin, we're all sinners, and that separates me from God. Now if I'm separated from God, how in the world can I have a relationship with God? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15 and verse 45. If you read above that, go back and read that in First Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is explaining the difference between our old man and new man, the difference between our flesh and our spiritual body. And uh, so it says here in verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. In other words, we got our birth. I'm a man, I'm a human being because of Adam. Uh, I'm, I'm born, uh, sin is part of that, but, but I'm a man in flesh living on this earth because because an, an offspring of Adam several thousand years later. So the first man, Adam, 
and uh, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And uh, so referring to when Jesus comes in, we have we talk about a new birth. In other words, when I got saved, I got born again. So it's just like that beginning, like when Adam brought God breathed life into Adam, he became a living soul. I was quickened by the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Spiritually, I became alive. And uh, that's what Jesus came. Of course, a famous verse everyone knows is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God loved the world so much that even though people sinned, and sin only got worse, I mean, Adam sinned. It's one thing to say, hey, I created Adam. I created Eve. I planted a garden. God planted the garden. He didn't create it. He didn't speak it. God went out of his way to make that place for them to live in the Garden of Eden and put in Adam, turned around and sinned and disobeyed God. And God had to kick him out of the Garden of Eden. And sin only got worse from there. That we you know, don't go very far in. In Genesis 6, we see God was just going to destroy the earth with a flood. And uh, so that's how bad, on a short time of history, that, that man got so wicked, God said, I'm just going to wipe it out and start over again with Noah. And uh, so, but that all being said, even though God knew that, he said, I love the world so much, for God so loved. That's one of the things in our Bibles that, that we miss when these modern versions keep trying to change everything all the time. And every, and I, I haven't looked it up. I don't know if they what they did in that verse. That's not the point. But but one of the, the things, the little words, and people think, well, we try and need to talk more modern or more things. And about, no, this is God's language. And one of the things you find throughout the King James Bible Bible is little words make a difference. When John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, that little two-letter word so is a descriptive word that says there's no way to describe it. You could have just said God loved people. You could have said, God, well, God loved everybody in the world. And, 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 but that doesn't explain God's love is something we don't know how to describe it. Uh, we don't have said, so God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son. And, uh, but it was so that we could have eternal life. If we go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, we see what God did. Even though God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Romans 5, 8 as has a similar thought, but God commendeth his love, or gave, or showed, or gave us, commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was a price to be paid for our sin, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Because we're sinners, uh, the, the wage of sin is death, and uh, so God said, hey, God said, hey, I love you so much that God's going to give us his son to die for us. That's a big deal. Not just because of our eternity and our relationship with God, but it also explains God is. Now, an interesting thought on this is that we talk about God giving a son. Well, who is this son? Why is this so important? Why are the details so important? Go to John chapter 1, the book of John in chapter 1. And we see a little bit more. If one that's been here for any time or, or, or listening to the, uh, the, the recordings, you know, I, I go here often, and we've preached on this thought before, 
and who, as far as who God is, but it's very important here. It says, God so loved the world, we saw in John 3.16. And in Romans 5.8, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, and then it says, Christ died for us. Notice it doesn't make a big deal about the distinction in that verse, but it's there. It says, God commendeth his love toward us, but then it said Christ died for us. Now we've studied it here and been through it uh, many times. I'm not going to go uh, elaborate a whole lot. But we need to understand who this person is that died for my sins. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, a name for Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so a couple of things, we see the word, another name for Christ throughout the Bible. And he was with God, not only with God, but he was God. And uh, that's important because when Jesus rose again, went back to heaven, he's sitting on the right hand of God making intercession for us. And uh, so it's important. He was with God. He did his, his, what he did on earth. He died for our sins. He rose again. He's back in heaven with God, not only with God, as God, according to Hebrews 1, I believe it's verse 8, off the top of my head, when he sits on the throne and God called Jesus God. And uh, so you understand when it says God, God so loved the world, and then, and then and it said, God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the, same, it's the same person. Now, we go down to John chapter 1 and verse 14, where it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it says the word, and Jesus, he became flesh. He, 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 he left it's probably not part of God. Now, God is still in heaven, and, and we, we, we've taught on this. we talked about it in the past. There's things about God that I can't explain. I don't understand in my little human mind, and, and we have to trust God and believe God, and, and uh, it's God. He's our creator. He spoke the world into existence. It's okay that we don't understand everything about God. Uh, I mean, it's, it's perfectly acceptable when it comes to explaining God to say, I don't know. But we believe what God said about himself, and we believe the word of God. So, so as he came down, we understand that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So we understand who Christ is in that sense. If you'll back up in the, in the Old Testament a little bit, in the book of Micah, and uh, 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 one of the, we call minor prophets, there's nothing minor about them other than they're just smaller books in the Bible, but uh, the, the, uh, the prophet Micah, in uh, chapter 5, Micah chapter 5, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, through, though thou hast been little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So somebody that has roots that are everlasting is going to be born in Bethlehem. And uh, so a prophecy of Christ. Isaiah chapter 7. 
Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, several times throughout the Bible, we see it again in the New Testament, the Jews, the people of Israel, they needed sign. Now some of it wasn't their need as much as God giving it to them. Sometimes they just kind of needed it. But throughout history, in the short version, I'm not going to elaborate in, in, in time and doctrine, but another thing throughout the Bible, understand the children of Israel were God's people. And uh, there's a whole lot of uh, proof. Uh, anyway, the, the nation of Israel was God's people. Bible talks about when it comes to salvation, that we were kind of grafted in. They rejected it. God expanded it and, and allowed for other people in the world to be saved. And, and all that. there's a whole lot that goes into that thought. And, and the reason I bring it up is, is throughout history, throughout the Bible, God's attention, everything God did is going to go back to Israel. And it's all about Israel and, and, and his people. We're allowed to get in on it. And uh, that's good. I'm glad God did that. Um, I, I don't care. I, I don't feel that doesn't make us uh, less in God's eyes other than there are certain thoughts and certain promises in the Bible and there are certain tones in the Bible and, and places you need to understand. One of those things throughout the Bible is you find these signs. When Paul preached, started giving the gospel in the New Testament to the Gentiles, he, he didn't give signs. Signed out for us, but all the way through the Bible, there's different signs to Israel proving he's God. And this is one of them where, where he, he said, hey, there's going to be a, a sign born of a virgin. He's going to be, this is a sign unto you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, was not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's where we just read in Isaiah 7, 14. Then Joseph, being raised out of sin, as, as, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And uh, so, the uh, let's, I want to point out, notice that sign there in, um, I'm sorry, let's go to Luke 2, before I get ahead of myself. Luke chapter 2, 
And this sometimes is a more common. It talks about other people, the, the shepherds and things involved. But Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And notice verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you, that ye shall find the babe wrapped in swanning clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said unto another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they had made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So notice angels appeared to the shepherds. Uh, that Jesus had been born. Uh, angels showed, showed up to the shepherds. What an amazing event. You see, in, in this day and age, in this location, in this part of the world, in, in Israel, a shepherd was, was a very lowly position. And I've read a couple places, I've not done a ton of research, but I've read a couple places that in some cases, if you were, if you were a shepherd, you were looked down to, they didn't have a right to vote, they didn't have a voice in, the, in their community, they didn't have, they, they were kind of outcasts. They were out in the field taking care of the sheep, and, and they were just kind of looked down on. So it's amazing that the, the angels showed up and showed it, and, and it's pretty amazing that very few times have an angel delivered a message directly to a man. Um, usually we saw an example of Joseph, an example of Mary, a big event is going on in her life. Hey, she's the chosen virgin, if you will, to, 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 to have Christ, and they were charged with the care of taking care of Jesus in the flesh, and, 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 and they came, but with all that, an angel showed up to the shepherds and said, hey, it's time, God. I wish the Bible would elaborate more. Maybe in heaven we'll get to meet the shepherds and find out what was it about these shepherds that God chose. But but I, I think it was more of a, a teaching idea. And uh, this is sort of my opinion that they, they were outcasts. It wasn't broad. It was not a grand entrance. Jesus didn't come to establish a kingdom on earth. He was born in a stable. And, and uh, back, or hardly anyone knew about it. The shepherds were the people that, that were lowly and, and outcasts and made. Maybe, and just maybe, this is just an opinion, but, but maybe because the shepherds, after they saw him, they went out and said they, they, they made known abroad. They went out and told everybody. 
Now imagine these people out in the middle of work, your job is out in the middle of the field, you're kind of an outcast of society already, uh, nobody cares about a shepherd, nobody wants to talk to a shepherd, and now the shepherds are coming around telling everybody, hey guys, an angel appeared to us and told us that Jesus was born. Now it's not less of a blessing for those shepherds. But when they came out, hey, how many people likely listened to what they had to say? Now, God wasn't trying to minimize his message in that regard. I think if we find later on throughout Scripture, we find many times that Jesus saying, hey, I'm not ready yet. My time's not come. This is not the purpose of why I'm on earth right now. Remember when he healed the leper, he healed a, healed a blind man. There's more than once where Jesus told somebody, hey, hey, I healed you. Don't tell anybody. Um, just go your way, do what you need to do, see your family, go, go tell the priest, uh, go, but don't tell anybody. Of course, that person went out and told everybody. And, and, and so this isn't about minimizing the credibility of the message. This was about Jesus giving something to the shepherds that no one else had. But at the same time, Jesus wasn't ready. Jesus wasn't here for a grand entrance. Jesus wasn't here to be king in the world. Jesus wasn't here to, 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 to point everything on him. At this point, he came as a baby to be born as flesh so that he could grow up and do what he came here to do. But notice it was a sign. The other thing is they came and found him. Angels came and said, this is a sign. You're going to find the baby in a manger and, and wrapped up in swaddling clothes and, and, and laying in a manger. They went, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe laid in the manger. Now, finding Jesus is not difficult. Getting to Christ is not difficult. God gave us everything we need in the Bible to get somebody to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is not a great man mystery. The mystery is about who God is and because he always existed. Yes, there's things we don't understand. But as far as salvation, as far as coming to Christ, as far as what Jesus did for me, it is not a great mystery. And uh, so that he came, that he was born in a, in a manger. He was born as a child. Jesus came as flesh. And, and John 1.14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's back up a moment to back to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. When Jesus was born, this angel came to Joseph. Of course, confusion. Uh, Joseph and Mary were not married yet. That's a prophecy. He had to be born of a virgin. So we see that God gave some signs to point to who Jesus is and, 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 and how to find him. But notice one thing he told Joseph here. He said, it's okay. This thing is of God. I, I, I embrace it. Take care of it. Um, it's, it's not Mary doing wrong. It's something God is doing right. And uh, take it. But in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21... Um, he, he's given it, but he tells Joseph here, the angel, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, says, for he shall save his people from their sins. Before Jesus was even born in the flesh, God told Joseph, here's the purpose. Here's what's going on. Here's why. Here, here's what's happening. And, and, and the purpose is so that Jesus can be born to save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Verse 
Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We already saw 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning the promise, that some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we understand Jesus was born, Jesus was God. He loved us so much that when Adam sinned and caused sin into our bloodline, into creation, that we're born of the sinner because of what Adam did as the first Adam, and, and, and that we need now, we're separated from God. And because of that separation, we find if in, in, uh, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. That death is an eternal death. It separates us from God. In Romans 20, or I'm sorry, Revelation 21.8, it, it, it talks about the death and hell being cast into the lake of fire. And, and that, uh, that, that it's a permanent death. So we have the death in Romans 6.23 that we have a permanent death, the wages of sin is death, or my payment, or my a wage, or what I owe because of my sin is that death. But God gave us the opposite, if we'll take it, in John 3.16, it said he offered us his gift of eternal life. So there's an opposite there that because of my sin, I'm heading for hell. God sent his son to die, but the purpose of his death was partly to pay my wage, to pay my way, to pay for the gift. It's Christmas time. We Many people get together and family. We have a gift exchange. We buy buy presents and, and, and do this. I doubt anyone here has ever gone to a store Go to Walmart and pick something out for someone in your family and just tell the clerk at the front uh, of that store to just say, hey, hey, I want to give this to, to uh, my family as a gift, and uh, they're just going to let you have it and take it out of the store, right? It doesn't work that We had to pay for it. So since I paid for it, I now own it. That gives me the right to give it away as a gift. Because it's now my property once I give it as a gift. Now it's my property up to I can wrap it, put it under a tree, nobody knows it's there, and that family. But until that person that's intended for picks it up, opens it, and takes possession of it, it's not theirs. But once it's theirs, now it belongs to them. It's a gift. It's, it's free to me, the person receiving a gift. But it still costs something. Jesus came and died. That's where but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died to pay that wage of sin, which was death, so that he in turn could offer us eternal life. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, I can't do anything for it. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Some of the most boastful Christians I ever met are those that teach a work salvation because they think they did something to gain it. And, and uh, that, that Jesus died so that he could give us that gift of eternal life. We just have to take it for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, and uh, so in, in, in Romans 10, 9, said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, it's something you do in your heart. It's not just rattling off some words and, no, I said something. It, 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 it's, a, it's a, in my heart that I believe that it, it was Jesus Christ, that it was Jesus. God came to earth in flesh, died on the cross for my sins, shed his blood, 
paid that wage of sin, paid that price on my behalf so that he conquered death, he rose again, and now he can give it back to me as a gift, I just have to receive that gift. Back to that thought in Titus 1-2 that said, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. is God promised it. God knew. Um, God didn't make us to sin. God didn't intend for us to sin. God never wanted man to sin. Uh, God didn't want sin in the world. That was not part of his plan. But God, in his foreknowledge, knew that man would. So before the world ever existed, he knew he'd give us a way out. And that he promised that before the world began, so that Jesus came. The purpose of Christmas is, yes, we focus on the celebration that Jesus came, and Jesus was born, and what a miraculous thing that Jesus, as God, came in flesh and allowed himself to be born and a helpless baby <laughs> to be cared for by his own creation so that he could grow up and be killed in the flesh. He could be killed by that creation that he came to die for. It's amazing. Just the idea of Christmas and what was shown today in the Bible it blows my mind that anyone could believe anything in all the false religions around the world. How can somebody possibly, I understand they're taught at culture, I, I'm, not, I'm talking, but I'm just saying, once you get to an age and start thinking and realizing how can you bow down and pray to an a statue, an inanimate object, and at the same time go back and read this account of what Jesus did for me when he came and was born so that he could die for my sins, the fact that God cre would create a people, and then to save those people from, from, from an eternity in hell, I'll give myself and I'll come and be born and helpless and grow and live and be an example by that own creation so I can allow that own, my own creation to kill me so that I could give them eternal life. Only God could do that. And that is the purpose when we look at Christmas and enjoy all the things that we do with our family and, and, and presents and all, all the things that we look at celebrating I understand Jesus was, Christmas was way more than just, oh, a baby was born and it was miraculous and we call him Jesus. He came so that we could have an eternity with God, have peace, have a relationship with God, have joy, have, have a relationship with God while we're on earth, but live with God forever in heaven is the purpose of Christmas. Let's stand together. We have a moment of invitation. First of all, of course, if, if you're not sure about your eternity, if something happened and you died today and you don't know 100% sure that you go to heaven, you come and we can show you from the Bible and clarify that and help you with that. And uh, But understand, hey, Christmas is about our eternity.
Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you uh, for giving us your word. God, I thank you for giving us uh, the details in the Bible so that we know how to come to you and have a relationship with you. And, and God, I thank you for this time of, of uh, uh, Christmas that we celebrate when you came but that we understand that it's all about salvation. God, I pray that you'll help God this week. Give us safety and uh, travel safety as, as people meet and get together and gather as a family. God, I pray that you'll, God, help us and uh, help us to be that witness and, and uh, testimony for you. And thank you most of all for sending your son to die in our place so that we could have an eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.